wait, 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 wait. Before we get started, we got to remind you that the MMA Roadshow is brought to you by Freshly Meal Delivery Service. By now, hopefully you know that Freshly delivers fully cooked, prepared meals straight to your door. There's no more coming home and wondering what's for dinner because Freshly's team of chefs and nutritionists are here to save the day. You get to skip the shopping. No chopping. No cleanup. All you have to do is just heat it up and boom, your meal is ready to eat in only three minutes. It's a lifesaver. I'm telling you, I've been on the road for two weeks now. My wife is at home in Las Vegas running that single mom life, and she's eating delicious gourmet meals every day with no stress Thanks to our Freshly Delivery Service. It's delicious. It's healthy. It's gluten-free. There's no refined sugars. This is the real deal. To try Freshly out, go to Freshly.com slash Roadshow to get $20 off your first week. That's six meals. If you want to choose that plan, you can do bigger ones. You can do smaller, but six meals. That's the most popular. You get that for just $39 plus free shipping is already included in there. This offer is only valid for a limited time, so go to Freshly.com slash Roadshow for $20 off and the free shipping. Consider dinner done. We're also super excited to welcome another new partner to the show, SeatGeek, the better, simpler way to buy tickets to sports and concerts. Put simply, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. Using SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you close to the action for a great value. Now listen, if you don't know about SeatGeek, what they do, you can just download it right to your mobile phone. You can do it on the web if you want. You can jump on your desktop, but just get the mobile phone. It's easier. We're all using our phones, right? They save you time because they look uh, through multiple sites. To compare prices, find the best deals for you, and they even make it really simple by showing you a little grade there to help identify the best deals to help you fit your budget. And again, they're going to throw in, like our friends do, by giving you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So what you got to do, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ROADSHOW. That's all one word, ROADSHOW, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. The Ultimate Fighter finale in Las Vegas, they got tickets to that starting at $69. UFC 218 in Detroit, they got tickets for that, starting from $87. Then you get to add the discount to that. Save yourself a couple money. Concert, sports, everything, they got you. Whatever you need, SeatGeek has you handled. They will get you set up. That's what's up. Now, let's get this bad boy going. Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 139. My name is John Morgan. Cold coffee, well, my boy is not with me, unfortunately. He is still back home in Sin City, Las Vegas. I can't wait to get back to Las Vegas, man. I cannot wait to be there. But in the meantime, I am here in Shanghai, China. Can you believe that? Shanghai. Amazing, man. Mainland China for the first time. A huge, huge, huge weekend for the UFC. Now, I know it doesn't necessarily seem like that because, of course, you know, it's a car that starts in the middle of the night for everybody back home. It's a holiday weekend. I get all that, man. I totally get all that. But this is a uh, this is a big weekend. I've been soaking it in for a couple of days, and uh, I really do feel like this weekend means a lot to the company and uh, this market, man. It's just such a... 
Such an incredible market. So we're here for UFC Fight Night 122. Bisping versus Gastelum. Of course, it was supposed to be Anderson Silva out here. Anderson Silva got his problem with USADA. He'll be uh, handling that. Of course, he still has his day in court, so to speak. Uh, in the meantime, Michael Bisping has stepped in and has done what Michael Bisping does. He's made it an interesting week, and uh, we will get to all of that very, very soon. But uh, I did want to talk about Australia real quick. Real quick. I know it's kind of late in the week, and you've probably heard a lot of people talking about it, but I was on the ground in Sydney. And I got to say, man, I really wanted to do a little episode number 138 and a half in Sydney. I did. I really did. I had planned it, and to be honest with you, there was time. There was time to do it. It's a morning show. Uh, my flight did leave the next morning, Sunday morning, or excuse me, Monday morning, Sydney time, to come up here to Shanghai. But I got to say, man, the, the energy just was gone after the fight card was over. I just, uh, I was I was kind of zapped of energy, and I just didn't feel like there was a whole lot to talk about. And so I want to tell you right now, if if, if if you woke up and you were like, Man, I need me some post-fight talk. I need to hear something. I, 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 man, I just want to talk about what just happened, and there was nothing there. Then I apologize to you. I failed you. I failed you as the MMA Roadshow host that I am. But I just felt like there was nothing really to talk about. I, and I apologize. So if I screwed up, let me just say I'm sorry to you, and I hope you will forgive me. But it did just the energy card. The energy at the end of the day was gone. I, I was hanging out with the the cats from Submission Radio. Obviously, good friends that did a fantastic job on uh, episode number one thirty eight, breaking down the whole card and previewing everything, giving us the the thoughts on the Australian market. And they were actually planning on doing a post show too. And they were like, "Hey, you want to do the post show?" And I'm like, "I mean, yeah, if if you want to, let's do it." And they were like, "Yeah, no, let's not, let's not." It just it was rough. So it was funny because our boy Fiasco Jones was down in Sydney, and he <laughs> he was like, man, that felt like the longest card ever. And then, of course, we told him, no, statistically, it was the longest card ever. It was the most fight time in UFC history. What, 10 decisions in the card out of 13 fights? It was a crazy night, man. It just, it just, it just fell flat, man, unfortunately. It really did fall flat. I did want to talk about it real quick. I mean, it started out Adam Wieserak, uh picking up the decision win over Anthony Hamilton. Of course, I was interested in that fight. Uh, you know, the, the the card moved around at the last minute. This was supposed to be Ty Tuivasa and Rashad Coulter kicking off the night. The UFC made a, a change in the uh, bout order, and I think it made a lot of sense. Ty Tuivasa, and we'll get to him in a second, is somebody that a lot of people are there on. I mean, that fight fell a little bit flat. I felt bad for Adam, man. I I, I like that kid. Uh, the, the The Polish guy that – you know, wasn't able to fight in his hometown because of the the, the soccer ultras that came in and, and ruined his UFC debut. I mean, what a what a crazy story that is. I mean, getting your bout thrown off the card in your home country because of some thugs. I mean, straight up, just thugs. Yeah, I mean, so I was super, super interested in that. And, uh, man, that fight just did not pan out. It, it it was not good. Eric Shelton did pick up a win over Janelle Lausa. Uh, Eric Shelton, good dude, man. I, I really think this kid has some talent. And uh, I actually ended up talking to him after. Uh, he's living in San Antonio now, which I didn't know. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a Texan. He's living in San Antonio now. He's looking for some uh, some training partners. He's looking for some opportunities to train. We hooked him up with the crew from Fortis MMA. 
sounds like maybe he's going to uh, possibly head up there to get some extra training partners and uh, maybe try to step his game up a little bit. He really wants to get on that Austin card, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you live in San Antonio, he's probably got some friends and family that will uh, be willing to buy some tickets. Uh, he picked up that decision win over Janelle Lasso. Just a really nice guy. I had a chance to share a frosty beverage with Eric Shelton at the uh, at the host hotel the evening of. And uh, a, a nice dude, a really good dude, somebody that uh, d- deserves your support a little bit, and uh, especially since he's in Texas now. That's what's up. Nadi Kasim. I will say this. Out of the UFC fight past prelims, I like Nadi Kasim. She looks like she has something. She's got a little attitude. She's got a little swagger. Um, she did miss weight. She has some issues. Says she wants to move up to 125, maybe. Um, we talked about that beforehand. I know it's kind of a little bit maybe uncomfortable for people to talk about. She did get her period as she was starting to cut weight. Uh, that makes things extra difficult. But, uh, I, man, I, I really enjoyed watching her fight. She's got a little swagger. And, again, she she said maybe she'll move up to 125. In the meantime, she thinks she can still fight at straw weight. But uh, challenged Paige Van Zant, which was awesome. Frank Camacho versus Damian Brown. Split decision win there. Great fight. Uh, both these guys bring it every time, and, and they definitely bring it. Frank Camacho uh, afterwards was not able to pick up the $50,000 fight of the night bonus um, because he did miss weight. Four people missing weight on this card. He was one of them, so he couldn't pick up the fight of the night bonus. Damian Brown did pick up 50 Gs. Frank Camacho was like, hey, maybe you can give Damian Brown my 50 Gs as well. Uh, listen, I did talk to USC officials, and, and uh, they were like, listen, no, I, you know, we appreciate the sentiment. But uh, we're not just going to, you know, we're not going to set this precedent. You know, it, it had been done before. It had been done before. In fact, in, in, a, in a little touch of irony, it was Ryan Benoit who actually picked up a $100,000 bonus one time uh, because his opponent missed weight. I was actually told he was definitely in the running for a $50,000 performance bonus, but he also missed weight. So that uh, kind of factored into everything here. But uh, Frank Camacho... Good dude. If, if you go back and watch his post-fight interview, I think we may have trimmed some of it out, but hilarious because he's actually a huge videographer. He's actually been kind of doing his own, uh, I don't want to say countdown, that's not fair, but, you know, doing his own kind of preview shows and, and uh, b- vlogs and that sort of thing. It was funny because he walked in the post-fight scrums and uh, it was, was like pointing at our equipment and asking us about our gear and that sort of stuff. So uh, a real hardcore, uh, you know, video file techie kind of guy so uh if you're into video production reach out to frank camacho because he is loving researching things right now Ty two of Austin defeated rashad coulter hate to see rashad coulter lose he's a, a a dallas guy so you know i has got my texas boys back but uh Ty two of Austin look great and i'm telling you right now keep your eyes on Ty two of Austin. um not just because uh i mean of course the heavyweight division is a division where you can move up the rank quick but th- but this guy has an amazing story um, an amazing fan base already. Th- this is a guy that's going to feature prominently, I would imagine, in Perth uh, f- for uh, the UFC pay-per-view debut in Western Australia next year. But he's a guy that, that definitely has some future. Uh, the hype around him is real. Keep your eyes on Ty Tuivasa. Nick Lentz picked up the submission win over Will Brooks. So much to talk about. I mean, we talked about so much going in. So much to talk about this fight. Will Brooks, man. I mean, who thought Will Brooks would be where he is right now? Um, and, and Nick Lentz with the swagger, you know, just saying, I'll fight everybody on American Top Team. I mean, I I, I, I really enjoy talking to Nick Lentz. I, I really enjoy the attitude, the swagger that he brings. He's standing in front of us bloodied and kind of beat up a little bit and just saying, line him up, man, and I'll put 50 Gs of my own money against uh, American Top Team founder 
Dan Lambert. That's 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 baller talk right there. When you're saying I'll put fifty thousand dollars on the line of my own money, that's that's gangster speak right there. So I gotta respect Nick Lenz. Uh, Ryan Benoit again picked up the win over Ashkin Mokhtarian. The uh, beautiful head kick knockout in the third round probably was due for a fifty thousand dollar bonus, um, but but wasn't able to get it because he did miss weight again. One of four people to miss weight. Crazy. Alex Volkanovski. Picked up the win over Shane Young. Volkanovski wanted a big fight up next. He'd been talking about Jeremy Stevens. Don't know if that was the type of performance that's going to get it for him. But uh, Alexander Volkanovski, Alexander the Great, does have some upside to him. And I, I think if you haven't been watching him, he is somebody you need to pay attention to. Elias Theodora picked up the win over Daniel Kelly. Decision win there. Not the greatest fight ever. Just a weird stylistic matchup. I had picked Daniel Kelly coming to that fight. I, I thought he might be able to get in, get in tight. Make it ugly. It was ugly, but uh, Elias Theodore was controlling the range. He was the one that was landing the shots from distance, and, and Daniel Clay just wasn't uh, able to get inside. Jake Matthews picked up the win over Boyan Velikovic. Wasn't an easy win for Jake Matthews. I'm not convinced he's a welterweight, to be honest with you. I, I'm not convinced that that's the right division for him. I know he feels comfortable there, and uh, maybe I'll end up sounding like a hypocrite when we talk about uh, Kelvin Gastelum very soon, but I, I'm just. I'm not sure that's the right division for him. Meanwhile, Boyan uh, Velikovic uh, did get to hang out with him a little bit after. I've always been a fan of him. He's, he's a really nice guy. And uh, he was living it up at the after party with a, a couple of Perrier. That's right. Boyan Velikovic was drinking sparkling water at the uh, at the after party. But uh, no, he's a good dude. And it uh, sounds like he wants to get on that uh, London card if he can. He wants, he wants to fight in Europe. Bilal Muhammad picked up the win over 10 means. Hard fought fight here. We knew that was going to be a close one. Um, it was fun. I mean, it wasn't quite the all-out brawl that we thought it might be. I thought it was interesting that Bilal Muhammad admitted uh, he was supposed to wrestle more than he did. Ended up striking because it was, it was funny because going into that fight, 10 means had said, like, this dude's not going to try to strike with me. He's going to wrestle. And uh, I thought it was funny afterwards for Bilal Muhammad to say, yeah, you know, I screwed up because I was supposed to wrestle more. <laughs> uh, Jesse Jess, Jessica Rose Clark picked up the split decision win over Beck Rawlings. Uh, interesting for her. She had a great uh, post-fight interview after saying, listen, I don't know where I fit in the flyweight division. It's a new division. There's no champion yet, but I think I can fight anybody in that weight class. And then, of course, Fabrizio over Doom did pick up the NAMS decision win over Marcin Tabura uh, in the main event. Did not do the and a half episode, but did – at one point, ended up having a uh, a couple of cocktails with these two gentlemen. It was it was it was kind of funny. They were hanging out in the lobby, and I sat down for a moment and and, and just had a a quick drink with them, and uh, it was cool, you know. To, I mean, to see combatants that uh, you know are trying to take each other's head off, and then a few hours later, they're having a, a cocktail and talking about it. Tabura was down, man. He was disappointed. He was not happy with his performance. Um, you know, I, 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 I'll just be honest with you. I told him, listen, man, I mean, I think there are positives for you to take away. Uh, nobody really knew your name before this week. Now maybe they do. Um, I mean, granted, I know you came up short, but I don't think people knew that his English was so good. Uh, he's got great English. He's a great interview. I don't think people knew he was such a nice guy, you know? And, and I think maybe people saw that. And of course, uh, he fought well, you know, he, he, he showed a good chin. He, he went five rounds with one of the top heavyweights of all time. He had him rocked in the fifth round. I mean, I, I didn't think he was close to finishing the fight, but he did have some success in the fifth and final round. So, you know, I, th I think there were positives to take away. And then 
Fabrice Overdoom, uh, of course, victorious. He did what he needed to do. I, you know, I think he wanted a more spectacular finish. It didn't work out so well, but uh, but but he did get the win. And uh, so it was kind of fun to kind of hang out with them real quick. And it was cool because we got to share a cocktail, a, 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 a MMA road show listener, and I'll just leave it at that because I don't know if he wants to be, uh, you know, publicized or not, but uh, had dropped off a, uh, a bottle of liquor. <laughs> at the weigh-ins the day before, so it was kind of cool. Uh, so I had a bottle of liquor in my uh, in my room that I couldn't take to Shanghai. So I was like, "What am I gonna do? I can't. I don't. But I don't check bags basically. I only carry on luggage. I don't. Uh, I don't check bag. I haven't. I haven't checked a bag in ten years because I don't want the airline losing my bag and and losing everything I'm there to do to work. So I'm like, "What am I gonna do with this bottle of liquor? I don't know how I'm gonna get rid of this bottle of liquor." And then what do you know? I run to the main event. And I'm like, hey, guys, let me keep the party going for a little bit. <laughs> so we had a couple cocktails from this from this bottle of liquor. Just, just, just one drink as is customary. I always say, listen, it's good to have good relationships with these guys. Uh, we're not here to hang out. We're not here to party. But it was it was nice to talk to them. Put a nice little picture up. Um, had had a, a quick bottle of cocktails uh, for everybody. And then, uh, and then I headed out. And, uh, yeah. Let, let let them do what they want to do with the rest of that. We'll say, too, I had a quick chance to talk with Fabrizio Verdum. It's funny because with everything that was going on in, in Sydney with the whole Kobe Covington situation, uh, you know, I had I, I had some people approach me on both sides. Some people say, John, man, good job with that interview with Fabrizio Verdum. You did a fantastic job. Man, you pressed him on the issue, and you and you you know he said he didn't want to talk about it, and you kept going over and over. And I'm talking about the uh, you know the media day conversation that we had. It was only about five minutes long, but you know he tried to stone stonewall me right at the beginning. And I had other people that hit me up on social media and comment section, whatever. Like, John, you're a jackass. You're an absolute a hole. Like the dude said he didn't want to talk about it, and you pressed him, and you kept making him want to talk about it. So it's kind of funny. I was like, uh, man, I. I kind of thought I was doing my job. I kind of thought I was doing the right thing, but this, maybe I was being an a-hole. Uh, so I actually had a chance to talk to Fabrice Overdoom, and it was nice, man. Uh, you know, I, I know he's not the most uh, easy figure to get along with for a lot of people. He does have some controversial uh, topics, you know, some of his language choices, of course, and, um, you know, some of his associates certainly have raised ire in the public sentiment and i get that and we've addressed all that but uh i did just want to ask him like man if 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 if, uh you know if you thought i was being a a total jackass and uh for i gotta say this man fabrizio said hey listen no man dude you were doing your job and uh, i respect you for doing your job and uh much respect and no worries so i don't know i thought that was cool you know i it bothered me and i don't know why it bothered me so much but for 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 so many people on comment sections and social media, be like, dude, you're being a jackass. He straight up said he didn't want to talk about it. And in my head, I know it's the right thing to do, but again, maybe it's uh because I don't have a coworker to to bounce things off of. I was down in Sydney by myself. My man, cold coffee was stuck back in Las Vegas. I didn't have anybody to bounce things off of, so I just bounced it off of Fabrizio himself. And he was like, dude, don't worry about it. You were doing the right thing. You were doing your job, and uh, I can respect that. So. Much respect. All right, see, now we're like 15 minutes in the show. That would have been the whole. That would have been the whole ha- and a half episode, and I just didn't feel like that was enough. I, I felt like that would be silly to do an episode that short. So that's why I saved it till today. I hope that's okay. 
I will say this. I want to show you a, a couple funny stories about Australia. First of all, the, the most stressful day of my life happened in Australia. And I'm only telling you this not because I want you to feel sorry for me or anything like that, because I want this to be a public service announcement. Uh, literally the most stressful day of my life. And well, All right, maybe that's an exaggeration. One of the most stressful days of my life. And here's what happened. Okay, first of all, I have an iPhone. And so all of you people out there that are, uh, you know, Android users and whatever else users that just want to talk maybe like cold coffee, that just wants to talk crap about people that own iPhones, stop. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it right now. But I have an iPhone, and I love it because it works very well with my MacBook. It works very well with my iMac at home. Everything just kind of works together, right? Now, that said, over the years, I have lost my charging cords. Um, they just, you know, things happen, right? You lose parts and pieces here and there. So I have basically the cheapest Amazon cord you can buy. Now, I, as I understand it, these Amazon cords, uh, they're cheap, but they're not necessarily supported or guaranteed by Apple. And every now and then they do kind of act kind of funny. So here's what I'm saying. If you've got one of these cords and things are acting kind of funny, I'm going to give you a heads up right now. Here's what happened to me. About 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, the first day we were there, I woke up. Time change. You know how it goes. Woke up at 6, and I'm like, ah, just get your ass up. Start working. And all of a sudden, I hear, I have an iOS update, right? My operating system needs to be updated. So I'm like, yeah, whatever, man. I'm sitting here working, answering emails, doing different things. And I just go ahead and hit the update. Well, at some point in the update, the update fails. And now my phone won't respond. It will not respond at all. It will not go past the Apple screen, no matter how I try to manually reboot it, no matter what steps I take, no matter what I do. Literally, all I get is a black screen with an Apple symbol on it. This is my phone. This is day one of a two-week trip abroad. I need this damn thing, right? So I'm trying to go through all the steps. I'm reading on Google. I'm doing everything I can. It will not fix. There's nothing I can do. Now, God bless. I'm in the middle of Sydney. From where my Airbnb is, it's about a three-minute walk to the host hotel. Past that, it's about a three-more-minute walk to an Apple store. God bless, right? So I go set up my gear at the host hotel. I get everything ready. I buy myself some extra time, and then I go to the Apple store before my interviews start. I go to the Apple store and I, I tell them what's going on and you know, Apple team, they're awesome, man. They're they're their store is amazing. They got all this helpful staff. It's incredible, right? The guy sits me down and he tries to update. Now he goes through all the steps I do, right? I mean he, he literally just does the exact same things that I've been Googling, but you know, respect to him. He knows what he's doing. Anyway, he goes through the steps and, and finally he's just like, dude, your phone is not good. You know when it says like you're gonna update like, hey, you're going to update, and it says, do not disconnect, do not, you know, make sure it has power, all this, you know, I mean, it has safeguards in there, and the safeguard is against basically this. There's essentially, from what I understand now, one little small part, one little small part of the update where if you, if it disconnects, if it causes problems, your phone can be completely dead, and he tried to update mine a little bit, and he's like, dude, your phone is dead. It's it's dead. And I'm a success. I've been one to update. You know what I'm saying? I've been I'd love that 
iPhone 10 X, whatever you want to call it. I would love that. I'd love even the eight. But listen, I ain't got the money right now. <laughs> Times are tight. You know how it goes. Uh, but my man is like, dude, your phone is dead and it's out of warranty and it's done. And I'm like, well, I guess I got to buy a new phone. And in my head, I'm like, well, maybe I'll just buy the iPhone X. And I'll just say I had to buy it. You know, I mean, that'll be the way I justify it in my head. That'll be the way I justify it to myself. I had to buy it. But the dude says, look, you can't you can't buy your phone here. You've got an American carrier. It's an Australian. It's, it's, it's not going to work. It's that won't work. Maybe you can get them to ship a phone in from the States. I was like, oh, come on. Ship a phone in from the States to Australia, and I got to leave the Shanghai in a couple of days, and there's no guarantee, and how much money? Oh, my God. In my head, I'm just like, this is the worst day ever. My man says, look, let's give it one more try. Let's give it one more try. And on the last try, out of desperation, my phone updated. And everything is fine. My phone is good. I still got my 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 6s, my old 6s, but it's working. It's working. So listen, it 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 was the most stressful day of my life. I it was the day that I was supposed to go do interviews, right? So it was the literally the first day I'd gotten to Sydney. Okay, I didn't really share it on the show before because there was a lot of stuff going on. But, dude, I had interviews with Adam Wieserak, Tim Means, Fabrice Overdoom, Will Brooks, Nick Lentz, Bilal Mohammed, Marcin Tabura. All those interviews that you saw from last week, hopefully. This was literally minutes before that happened. And uh, I literally made it back to the interview room with my working phone 90 seconds. I'm not joking. 90 seconds before Adam Wieserak sat down to do his interview. It was terrible. Again, I say this not because I want anybody to feel sorry for me. I say this because be careful. Be careful with those iOS updates. The update wasn't bad. It was this shitty-ass Amazon cord that I have <laughs> because I'm too cheap to buy the real power cord. Uh, but when it's acting weird, when it's not connecting right, do not do an update. Or if you don't have power or whatever, do not do an update. Do not do an update to your iPhone unless all the circumstances are correct. Otherwise, you run the risk of having a dead phone. And I literally thought I was in a foreign country for the first part of a two-week trip with no phone, no way to fix it. And, uh, yeah, there you go. So that's my life lesson for you. All right, uh, Australia, want to say one thing real quick. Uh, being in a country when something cool happens, when something historic happens, it's cool because – myself, Cold Coffee, we're very fortunate, man. We've gotten to travel all over the world, but we really don't get to sightsee much, man. We really don't get to do much. We basically just go to hotels and arenas and bars. But still, I mean, we don't get to go out in the daytime and see much. But to be there when something historical happens was pretty cool. Australia voted yes on marriage equality while we were there, uh, right when we arrived. It was it was pretty cool. I mean, to see people celebrating a moment like that, like that's something that I can say. I was always, you know, I was there for so. Um, I, I thought that was neat. It'll, it will always stand out to me in my head. These events, uh, these trips, they do run together, man. They, they, they really do run together. But this was special. And it was cool because City Hall was like right around where we were staying at. Um, and, and, and it was all lit up in pink and they had rainbow flags. And I don't know. It was kind of cool. Something that I'll, that, I'll always, uh, that I'll always remember. 
And the last thing I want to say about uh, Australia, and it kind of bleeds into this week in Shanghai, Jorge Masvidal was there as a guest fighter, right? And Jorge Masvidal, of course, the questions were about his boy, Colby Covington, and how that thing all played out. But an interview, we did a quick little interview with him, and he said, listen, I want to take some time off. I'm frustrated after losing him, but, uh, but, but, you know, I want to, I want to fight in like April. And he, he doubled down on his issues with Michael Bisping. He's not a fan. And, uh, that brewed right over into this week. He was actually a guest fighter here as well. And I had a chance to talk to him today by the time, uh, my man Cole coffee edits this, uh, and gets everything out. You'll, hopefully you'll see that, that, uh, Masvidal is saying like, listen, if Kevin Gaslam for some reason is out of this fight, I'm in, I don't have to cut weight to get to 185. Like I'll, I will fight Michael Bisping tomorrow. Like I do not like that guy. I hate him. And I want this fight. And it kind of made me think today I thought about it a little bit last week, but more this week it made me think. Michael Bisping, win or lose, I don't necessarily know what makes a ton of sense for him next. I mean, you could come up with fights, but there's, I mean, like what, Yoel Romero? I mean, of course, they got some beef, you know, but uh, first of all, I don't I don't know that I want Michael Bisping fighting Yoel Romero. Second of all, I mean, what does that do? If Bisping beats Yoel Romero, what does that do? Like, it just gets rid of a potential contender? I, I, I don't get that, you know? What about Masvidal and Bisping in London in March for the retirement fight? Am I crazy? Does that? I mean, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm living a little too close to the situation because I was in Sydney, I was in Shanghai, I'm talking to these guys. But I gotta say, I don't see a lot of fights that make a hell of a lot of sense for Michael Bisping for his retirement fight. I kind of like Masvidal. you know, it's it's a guy that potentially should be winnable for Bisping, right? I mean, this is a guy that, that used to fight lightweight. Now he's at welterweight. He's definitely going to bring an exciting fight stylistically. He's not going to try to wrestle you the whole time. Um, he's going to talk trash. He's going to help build up the fight. I got to say, man, I, I, I'm down. I'm, it's just me. I don't know if anybody else is down for it. But Masvidal Bisping in March in London. For for Bisping's retirement fight, I am down for this fight, and uh, Masvidal said he's down for it. Hopefully, we we'll get a chance to talk to Bisping and ask him what he thinks that win or lose over Kelvin Gaston on Saturday night. Boom. All right, so uh, we need to shift to Shanghai and talk about what's going on here in China. So to do that, I can't think of any better way than just to set it up for Michael Bisping himself, set it up for the man that's in the main event stepping in on short notice, stepping in for Anderson Silva. Doing it, admittedly, because he was emotional and frustrated and all those things. Uh, I had a chance to sit down and talk to Michael Bisping, and uh, here is our full interview from Shanghai. Funny, I should say, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get this interview because I had heard that that you know Mike his his schedule was tight. He knew it was going to be a tough week, you know, coming in and and was kind of saying, "Listen, don't make me do more media than I have to. Uh, I'll do what I have to do." But I don't want to do a ton more just because this is a quick turnaround. I feel like I just carried, uh, you know, the the promotion of an entire event. And, uh, you know, I hope you can make things a little lighter on me this week. So I was a little worried I wasn't going to get the interview. But fortunately, uh, Mike Bisping was in a good spirits and said, of course, John, I'll sit down with you. Let's do this. And here's what he had to say. Well, Mike, you've done everything in your career, man. Is this one of the uh, the craziest things you've ever done? The quick turnaround, fly all the way to China, fight the young up-and-comer? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess so, right? I guess so. I mean, a lot of people, it's weird, you know what I mean? For a lot of a lot of the time in my career, I've been public enemy number one, and it's a refreshing change. I'm getting a lot of compliments off people. Um, everyone's like, oh, that's gangster, that's crazy, this and that. To be honest, I just don't understand why anybody in my position wouldn't take that fight. You know, I've got no injuries from uh, the last one. Um, I'm in shape, I had a tremendous training camp. The fight didn't go my way, whatever whatever reason, it wasn't clicking on the night, you know, and that's just the way it goes. I had a bad night at the office, uh, I had a great training camp, and I get a chance now to go out there and fight the way I wanted to fight, you know? So, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I guess, there's a lot of mental pressure, a lot of stress. I should be enjoying myself, but instead I'm, I'm, I'm back to training. That was difficult last week. Uh, I sparred nearly every day of the week last week, and mentally just to get up for that was kind of hard. I wasn't out of breath, but I was like, I was just stopping in the middle of rounds and I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered, but you know, that, that was towards the end of the week, pardon me. But, um, but yeah, it's great. I'm here in Shanghai, first ever fight mainland China. Uh, Breaking down barriers once again. So you think a little bit about the historical nature of it. I mean, you've done so much in your career, but this is a pretty big moment for the UFC. You know, I mean, God, I sound like an asshole, but I've, I've done that a few times. So, I, you know, um, I think I was the first one in Australia. I fought in Macau. Um, you know, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, you know. First time I've been here to mainland China. Oh, tell a lie. No, I have actually. Um, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, to be honest, it's just another... So another day at the office, of course everybody speaks differently and, and the food's a little different and this and that, but the people are very nice. I'm very, very happy to be here and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some more of China after the fight. Nice. So you admitted it was kind of an emotional decision, right? I mean, you, you were like, dude, I gotta get back in there and erase that out. So once you committed, has there been any part where you're like, what have I done? Like, I, what, oh my gosh. A couple of times. A couple of times when when it came to the eating options, do you know what I mean? When it came to eating, I'm like, geez, I'm here again. I'm dieting again, no. Um, a week after the fight, so since the last fight, of course, I lost my belt. And uh, yeah, it stings. But also at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm a grown man. You know, I'm very, very proud of the fact that I got the belt. I managed to defend it in Manchester, which is amazing. Nobody stays world champion forever. Would have been nice to keep it for longer, but I didn't. You know, these are the facts. So I'm still very proud. I'm good. Um, sorry, what was the question again? Just if you had any regrets. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, sorry, that's what I was getting to. Um, after the fight, you know, I enjoyed myself. You know, uh, had a few drinks, ate too much, you know, but why not? You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy myself. And on the Sunday, we, we, we did the fight on the Saturday or the Friday. Oh, no, it was on the Friday. So the Friday after the, my last fight, so it'd been five, six days, um, and negotiated it, I'm, I'm here, I'm fighting in China. I said, right, well, I'm gonna enjoy Friday and enjoy Saturday, and then Sunday I'll check my weight. I don't wanna check my weight, I don't wanna know. I'm gonna have one week, and my logic was, I can undo one week of damage in two weeks. You know what I mean, that's, that's my logic. And I got on the scale Sunday morning, and I was 214 pounds. I was like, holy shit, how did that happen? So I text Dana straight away, I said, Dana, any chance of a catchway? And uh, you know, he shut that down straight away. That, that, that wasn't happening. But you know, a bit of discipline. We did a couple of days. I was back down to 200. So not a bad weight cut uh, in anticipated for these last couple of days. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I was 200 this morning. I got off a plane last night. Uh, of course, always a bit of water retention. Hopefully, 199, even 198 tomorrow. If that's the case, walk in the park. 
I know the big question that I've heard a couple people say is, you know, they're worried about your health. Do you, do you know, was it dangerous for you to step yeah. in again to sure. I mean, how do you answer that question? I mean, did you, did you take precautions? Did you talk to family? I mean, what do you think? Yeah. I was driving out for lunch with my wife and my in-laws when I heard it on the Luke Thomas show on Sirius XM that they were looking for a replacement. And I, the conversation with my wife lasted around 15 seconds. I said, what do you think? You know, she was like, uh, I said, I want to do it. Everyone wants to get paid. You know, I get paid two paydays, one training camp. You know, <laughs> what's not to like? Uh, Health-wise, I felt great. After the fight, yeah, I had a couple of bruises here and there, you know, but this is what we do. Um, Dana was very adamant. I had to go through a bunch of medical hoops, which was a pain in the ass, because I only had one week to train. So I had to do all the training. I had to publicize the fact I was fighting. I had to do the interviews and stuff. I had to do medicals all over the place. So it, it, it was a very, very stressful week. Um, regarding uh, the fight, I, I spar three times a week when I'm training for a fight, you know, so in an eight week camp, that's 24 sparring sessions, and those sparring sessions get pretty hard. The fight, you know, it's, I'm good, I'm fine. I passed all my medicals, uh, I'm, I'm good, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm great, you know. Yeah, the, the main thing, I said this to Jeff Nowitzki, no, sorry, pardon me, Hunter Campbell, head of legal. He called me up, Mike, before we make this official, we need to know you're okay, you're gonna have to do medicals. I said, listen, physically I'm fine, mentally I'm not. And the only way that's going to fix that is getting back in the cage. You know, it's like uh, what Christopher Walken in that in that Saturday Night skit. I got a fever, and the only thing that's going to fix it is more cowbell. And the only thing that's going to fix it is another fight. And here we are. Very nice, Kelvin Gasson. Was he a guy that was on your radar at all? I mean, obviously he started well after you. So I mean, had you? I mean, had you been watching his fights as an analyst? Had you thought about him at all? Yeah, I hadn't thought of him as an opponent. Uh, I've seen him, of course. You know, I, I work as an analyst, and I've broken down his fights many a time. Um, Kelvin's a great guy. I've got nothing bad to say about Kelvin. This isn't on pay-per-view. I'm not trying to sell pay-per-views. I'm not trying to do any of that. So I'll be honest. Kelvin seems like a very, very nice guy. Apart from the fact he does a little bit too much pouting on Instagram, other he does this a lot. Other than that, he seems like a lovely guy. Great fighter, good hands, uh, great, good wrestler. He's had some good wins. He's beat a couple of guys that I, I, I didn't beat, you know, granted, they're not on the steroids anymore. Um, I'm expecting a tough fight. I'm not expecting a walk in the park. What I'm expecting is a smaller guy with a shorter reach, without the experience, uh, you know, I fight the way I can fight. I win this fight pretty handily, but we'll see what happens. No time for, as you said, for the Michael Bisping trash talk experience. I mean, is that part it's, of your game or is it just fun for you? No, it's fun, it's fun, and it's very refreshing not to be doing it. It's yeah. so nice, it is, because, you know, I'm, what am I gonna do? No one's gonna pay attention anyway. It's so late, you can't build anything. Maybe if we had a whole thing, you know, a couple of months and we did interviews, because that's how it happens. I see him, he says something, and I respond, and he responds. Before you know it, it builds. Hasn't been time for that. As I say, he's a good guy. I like Kelvin. I say I like him, I don't know him. I mean, I like what I see. Uh, and I wish him the best. I wish him a great fight, I really do. And may the best man win. I said that about George, and the better man won on the night, and God bless him. Uh, and, and I say the same for Kelvin, you know. Am I gonna try and knock him out? Of course I am, you know, and I think I will. Um, I've, I've, I, again, I've got a FIFA. I've got to knock this guy out because I was knocking people out in my last training camp all the time without sounding like an asshole, and I didn't show up on the night for whatever reason, you know? But that's the way it goes. So, I mean, with this fight, there's, there's no 
rankings at stake, right? There's no title shot at stake. It's a it's a paycheck, which I gotta think is good, and it's, it's a really just to just to kind of erase that down. Is that what is that really all there is to gain? Is just to to feel better about yourself? Yeah, you know, I mean, I I gotta be careful when I, I don't really want to say this because it gives every all the haters that like to talk shit. It gives them ammunition. But like, I got back from New York. All the dust is settled, you know. And I'm laying in bed at night, and my wife's there, and I'm just kind of emotionally checked out. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, well, what do you think's wrong? You know, a few days ago, I was champion in the world. I'm not now. And believe it or not, for all the, 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 the bullshit and the silliness that you get from me and the trash talk and all that, you know, I'm a human being. And, and yeah, I was down about it. I was pissed off, you know. Uh, and you take it like a man, of course. Take it with a pinch of salt. Three beautiful children, great wife, health, you know. Uh, but yeah, I was down, you know, I was pissed off. I thought, I'm fucking better than that. I know I'm better than that. Uh, and then this happened. So I was like, one, one million percent. Straight away, I was like, this is like a gift from the gods. That's awesome. So a win here. You've, t you've teased it out there. Retirement maybe in March in London. I mean, are you, are you committed to that? Or are you still I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I guess. We'll see. I like fighting. I like getting paid to fight. I like traveling the world doing this, and I'll miss it, but right now the plan is beat Kelvin, and then one more in, in March. And that will probably, yeah, yeah, that is the plan. Is that the boss at home making that call? That ain't the boss at home, that is maybe the boss at home. <laughs> maybe the boss at home, and maybe it's my heart. Uh, it's, it's the smart thing to do. You know, I, I don't know, but yeah, yeah, my last fight will be next year. For sure. <laughs> next year, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> my next fight, my last retirement fight will be March in London. Sticking with it. Fact. All right. It will be. Well, first things first, we've got Saturday night. Uh, like you said, a quick turnaround, man. Yep. How do you see this thing going? I think I win. I think I beat him to the punch all day long. I, 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 I do. Uh, everyone hears me say that all the time. If I fight the way I can fight, I can beat Kelvin. And, you know, he's had some good wins. But we'll see what happens, you know. It's hard under those bright lights, you know. In the gym, I'm a different man, and I didn't show up because I wanted to remain the champion so much. Do you know what I mean? Now, it's not about that. Now, I don't even feel any pressure. I'm just gonna go out there and fight my fight. I don't wanna be emotional. I'm gonna be happy. I'm just gonna go out there and fight as if I'm in a sparring session. And if I win, then great, and if I don't, well fuck it, who cares? You know, I'm not the champion anymore, I'm back to just taking fights for the sake of fighting. Does that mean I wanna win? My God, I will fight to the death to try and win, I will never quit, you know, but if I lose, fuck it. Michael Bisping doing what he does, uh, just getting you interested in the fight and being honest. And uh, man, if he only has two fights left, I don't know, man. I'm honored to be here for that. I, Michael Bisping has definitely become one of my favorites, man. He he really has over the years. Uh, I know a lot of people hate him for for whatever reasons, some of the things he said, and uh, understandably so. But uh, the guy really is uh, one of the nicest cats that you'll ever uh, interact with. And uh, has, has done the company solid time and time again. So a big fight for him. All right. USC in mainland China for the very first time. This is a big moment. And, again, I, you know, I, I know there's no North American media here. It's me. I'm the guy. I'm, <laughs> I'm the non-local media traveling here to be here. And, uh, listen, I missed Thanksgiving uh, to, to be here. So let me say 
happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Uh, you know, missed that American holiday. Missed actually my 10th uh, wedding anniversary to be here as well. That's right. So uh, my wife, who doesn't listen to a minute of this podcast, <laughs> uh, I- I'll just say happy anniversary anyway. Um but no, to me, and it, it was uh, it was great. Early in the week when I first got here, I did a a, a quick spot on the Luke Thomas show, and uh, you you know he was kind of talking about the card and, and and what I was looking forward to. And I will say, you know, and I said on his show, and I mean it, like one of the things I was more interested to see than anything wasn't necessarily the card itself. I mean, there are some fights on here that I'm looking forward to, and I'll, and I'll talk to you about those shortly. But it wasn't about the fights. To me, this was about the event itself. This is the UFC in mainland China. Every industry in the world wants to be in mainland China. Every industry in the world wants to be in mainland China. 1.4 billion people. Billion. Throw out an entire U.S. population of China, and they still got a billion left. That's how huge this market is. We're in Shanghai. The city is huge. It is massive. Uh, I think the estimates, um, you know, in the entire kind of area surrounding area, like 20 million people, just it's a massive, massive city. It's, 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 I mean, you can drive for a long time and just see massive buildings everywhere you go. Huge, huge, huge buildings. We're joking. And it's not, I mean, it's, 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 it's a joke, but it's true. I mean, of course, right? You know about uh, you know about Shanghai. You know about Beijing, and you know if you're a, if you're a true student of the world or follow you know Eastern politics or Eastern business or, or whatever. I mean, you may know a handful of other cities too, but China is so big that there's cities you've never even heard of that have like six million people in it, and you're like, what? I've, what? I've never never heard of that. Shanghai is massive. Now, uh, it's it's there's more Westerners living here. So, I mean, even though this is my first experience in mainland China, we're in a super, super, super nice area. Uh, the Kerry Hotel is actually the host hotel here. It's connected to this um, massive mall, and I mean, it's uh, it's 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 a really, really nice area. I'm actually staying across the street. Uh, I I am at a different hotel, but a, a super nice hotel as well. It's just a little bit cheaper. Um, but this area that we're in, it's it's very very nice. It's it's very luxurious, and, and and it's incredibly obvious that that's the case. But I will say this: I mean, we've had a chance to kind of go out and see the city late at night, and um, you know, had some late night dinners and a couple cocktails and that sort of thing. Um, but we've been to other areas that are just as luxurious, and we've driven like you know twenty minutes in one direction, thirty minutes in another direction, and, and we see other areas that are nice. I mean, high end retail establishments. Uh, I mean, there's money here. There's no doubt there's money here. In my head, I don't know why. For some reason, I thought this place would be cheap. It's not cheap. It's definitely, definitely not cheap. Things are things are expensive here. Um, now, again, we're not in the more rural areas where everything changes. I mean, this is this is high-end, you know, metropolitan area of China. But um, it's it's interesting to see, man. I've I've really enjoyed this. Just just kind of soaking it in for the first time. Uh, just to kind of let you guys know, I guess what China is like. If, bottom line is, if you're on a bicycle or a scooter, and, and that seems to be the preferred method of transportation for a lot of people—a bicycle or a scooter—and they have these electric scooters, by the way, that don't make a sound. It's not a gas scooter, so you have no warning that this damn thing is coming up on you. Uh, I think that basically traffic laws don't apply to them. 
they're like suggestions they can maybe go do what they want to do but they they basically you know red light eh, you know pedestrians walking through a crosswalk eh, you know they kind of do what they want to do it gets it gets a little bit crazy and there's these bikes everywhere there's bicycles everywhere and i thought it was like communal property like i thought you know communist country maybe this is like the government looking out for the you know there's bicycles everywhere no uh there's these bicycles everywhere that have these little qr codes on them and there's a thing here called wechat and wechat is massive i mean it's it's massive and it's kind of like whatsapp and facebook and twitter and everything all rolled into one but then it's it's also uh watch weibo is like their version of twitter here um but this this technology it also has uh payment built into it so you can have like your credit card information saved in there you can do payment information it's crazy this this thing runs everything so anyway they have these bikes and you can just walk up and you can scan the bike with your little qr scanner or whatever in your wechat and it's like two of the local dollars here which is like i don't know 30 cents and you can rent the bike for an hour but the technology is cool it has like these little clamps on it so when you're done like it just clamps down on the bike wheel so it's like a brake so you can't drive anywhere so i don't know man it's 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 cool and i think that's the 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 whole thing is understanding is like uh we do these social media things right there's there's 24 fighters on this card right it's a 12 fight card I think 12 fighters don't have Twitter. Eight of them are Chinese. And Li Jingling has a Twitter account. And the only reason he has a Twitter account is because uh, he is managed by Paradigm Management. That's that's Conor McGregor's team. That's Michael Bisping's team. Um, they see, right, that, that, that Li Jingling has uh, potential star power there. And so they signed up with him. Um, so he has a Twitter account. But nobody else has a Twitter account. I'm like, well, how can you be a fighter and not have a Twitter account? Everybody gets Twitter. Well, no, they have Weibo here. So think about this. 1.4 billion people. 1.4 billion people. You can have these fighters that are massive stars in China that nobody's ever heard of outside of China, and they're still doing well. Their social media presence is huge. They're, you know, they're, they're, their advertising revenue and opportunity is huge. So it's such an interesting place that I'm that that I'm just learning about. And I, 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 you know, I hope to come back and and uh, and learn more about. It sounds like we'll probably be back here. The UFC will probably come back here. Um, Saturday's fight is is uh, the ticket sales seem strong. It's it's a uh, from what I understand the, the arena can seat eighteen thousand. I haven't been there yet, so I mean it's a big arena. It's a, it's a, it's a proper you know NBA. NHL style arena. It's been scaled for about um, thirteen, fourteen thousand is is what I've heard. Which I mean, that's good. That means you, you still get the nice big screens in everywhere. Um, but but you know, ticket sales are strong. It's basically going to be a sellout. But it's so interesting because, like, from what I've seen this week, the whole world wants to tap into China, right? The whole world wants to tap into China. It's this massive market. But what you have to realize is. You've got to create an interest or a reason for China to reach outside of its own natural market and tap into you. They're happy here. Everything is good here. They they got their own system of thing. And it's weird like like the internet. If you don't if you don't have a VPN when you get here, if 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 you don't have you know, we talked about on on a couple of episodes back. If you don't have a VPN here, you can't access 
Twitter. You can't access Facebook. You can't access Instagram. Um, like I use, I use Gmail. I use Gchat. Um, that gets impacted, if, 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 you know, because you can't even use Google here. It's crazy. Like all these things that you think are, you know, part of our everyday society. It's not part of their everyday society here. So you're like, oh well, poor you. You know, you don't have what we have. Well, no. They have their own thing. And hell, it might be better than our thing. It might be better than our thing. So it's such a crazy little balance. Like, from the outside looking in, you're like, wow, man. uh, If we can just tap into that market, like, they will love us. They will see what we have. And they'll be amazed by it. And they will buy this. And there's 1.4 billion people. So they will jump in on this full steam ahead. And then you realize that's not actually the case. Like... They might actually have some stuff that we need to learn about. We need to give them a reason to give a shit about what we're talking about. So, man, uh, I always say, like, I'm not the smartest businessman on the planet. I'm not even the most uh, into the business. Like, I'm more into covering the fights of this. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to cover the fights. I'm here to cover the athletes. But seeing a market this big and seeing what's available there and seeing the type of money that's in this place, oh, my God, it's intriguing. It is so intriguing, but it is not easy to figure out. All right, let's talk about the fights themselves. I get it, man. If you don't want to wake up at 3.45 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday, I get it, man. It's a holiday weekend. There's things going on. If you want to uh, if, if you want to catch it later, you can. But the great thing about Fight Pass, what? It's on demand as soon as you want it. So if you want to wake up in the uh, early afternoon... Watch it then. You can watch that. If you want to check out my notes, you can check out some notes. If you want to avoid spoilers, you can avoid spoilers, but you can watch it when you want. And it's Fight Pass. So the Fight Pass means no commercials, none of those long-ass breaks for no reason. So uh, it'll move pretty quick. It'll be good. Um, we'll break down this card real quick. I, we'll, we'll, we'll burn through it real quick. I, I, I know there's not... Uh, probably a, a lot of things that you want to talk about, but I'll I'll give you some things that I've learned this week and some things that I'm looking out for. Um, and in the meantime, I want to share my other interview with you. Well, not I mean, I, I did quite a few interviews. Uh, but, you know, another one with the headliner, Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, I thought Kelvin Gastelum gave, gave a great interview as well, uh, talking about kind of what his approach to this whole situation has been like and what it's like to go from facing Anderson Silva to Michael Bisping, what it's like fighting in China, um, whether he's finally admitting he's a middleweight, whether he still wants to try a welterweight, all those things uh, we talked about with Calvin Gastelum. I feel like people are giving Michael a lot of credit here, right? They're, they're saying, hey, man, stepping in, short yeah. notice. Look, you, but, but what about you? I mean, you're going from, from one you know all-time great to another on short notice as well. You feel like people maybe got to give you a little respect as well? I mean... It doesn't matter to me, but yeah, I mean, it it, it, it it would be cool if I get a little bit of credit too for, for stepping up and, and accepting the fight. Uh, and, you know, I mean, this would be my third uh, or fourth former champion that I fight in a row, so or not in a row, but in the last 12 months, I think. Uh, you know, this is, this is, this is, you know, I don't think people have been giving me credit for, for the fights that I've been taking in the last 12 months, you know. Uh, this will be my third main event in a row. Uh, I'm just I'm just riding the wave, yeah. 
No doubt. Give me an idea of what, what, the, what it was like for you because, you know, Anderson Silva, obviously a legend of the game. I mean, this is right. the fight that you've been tracking for a while. Yep. It falls apart, and I got to think, as, on, on as short a notice as it was, you got to think, who's even out there? Who's going to fight me on this show? So it give was, me what the uh, roller coaster was like, man. Oh, God, it was insane. You know, I wake up, uh, I remember Friday morning, I'm looking, you know, I do what everybody does. I look through my phone in the morning, and I'm like, uh, USADA flag. Anderson, oh, what? You know, and that's what my Friday morning was like. Uh, and then I called my manager, like, what the heck is going on? And he's like, yeah, you know, he got, he got, uh, you know, flagged by USADA, he got pulled from the fight, and, I, you know, I, immediately I got sick to my stomach. I mean, I didn't feel good, I did not feel good, uh, you know, uh, I got a little sick to my stomach is what happened. You know, a million thoughts ran through my head. Um, you know, I didn't know if the fight was going to fall through. I didn't know if the whole card was going to fall through. Uh, I didn't know who were they going to try and replace Anderson with. You know, I didn't want to go from fighting the greatest of all time to fighting Joe Schmo. You know, that just wouldn't make sense for me, for my career. You know, I want to I keep making steps forward, not making steps backwards. So, uh, I mean, just a, a whole 24 hours of, of freaking this, you know, because a million thoughts ran through my head. but. Uh, you know, Saturday uh, afternoon, I get the call that, that, that Mike Bisping might be an option. I'm like, yeah, right. You know, he, like, he's going to accept the fight after fighting George. Uh, sure enough, they sent me the contract. It said Michael Bisping's name on it. I'm like, oh, all right, let's sign it and send it back. Uh, and, you know, I was really happy that we got a replacement. You know, I'm really happy that Mike stepped up. I mean, I mean how badass is he? You know, uh, so I, I'm happy. You know, I feel this is actually an even bigger fight for my career. Interesting. I mean, obviously no animosity. You're thanking him for stoking in there. But oh, yeah. I, so what's the, I mean, how do you get the focus ready, you know, to shift from Anderson Silva to Michael Bisbee? You're preparing for one guy. Now you got to take this other guy. You, you kind of got some good feelings for him. You're happy that he's coming <laughs> yeah. in there. How do you get yourself game ready and then ready to take on challenges like You know, that? this far out from the camp, this far out, um, you know, we're mentally, physically ready for, for battle. So the opponent is, is, doesn't make a difference. You know, I am ready to go with anybody, anytime, anywhere. Uh, that was just my mentality. You know, I'm, I'm ready physically, mentally. So um, the changeup wasn't that, that, that big. You know, obviously we've got to switch a little bit of the strategy. Um, but, you know, at this point, this far out, not much changes. When you broke down this fight with GSP, like you said, I mean, I'm sure you were watching, you know, yeah. everybody was. What did you think of his performance? Because um, there were some good things in it, there were some bad things in it, you know, and he's admitting that he's getting close to the end, but what did you see when you broke it down? Yeah, you know, I, I saw just regular Michael Bisping doing what Michael Bisping does. He came to fight. It was a battle back and forth uh, with George. I mean, George was bloodied up, and so was Mike. Um, but I feel like he was a little hesitant because of the takedown um, that George was, or he was worried about the takedown. You can kind of tell he was a little bit more crouched, uh, you know, crouched down with his stance fighting. He wasn't uh, initiating in, in George's face like he usually is in his lot of, in a lot of his fights. Mike admitted he basically took this fight because he wanted to get that taste out of his mouth of that GSP fight. I wonder sure. for you, man. I mean, obviously, I know you could have been thinking, feeling too good about the last fight. Has it? Has it been in your mouth the last couple months that you're like, man, I got I to gotta get rid of this feeling? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, coming off loss, I mean, it's, it's, it's not cool. You know, I've never had two losses in a row. I don't ever want it to happen. 
you know, I don't ever want to lose, period, you know, uh, but, um, you know, it, it motivates you, it sparks the fire in your ass <laughs> when you lose, uh, because you don't want it to happen again, so, so that's exactly what happened, you know, I'm fired up, I'm hungry, man, I'm ready for this fight. When you talk about maybe being a better fight, is that, you know, because of the rankings? I mean, this is, you know, Anderson, one of the greatest of all time, but here you got a guy in Mike that was... <laughs> There was the champ a couple weeks ago. Exactly. Back. I mean, just 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 a few weeks ago. I mean, I feel Mike's value in the company is is really high. Um, not that Anderson isn't. I just feel like he was more of a, uh, on the decline than than Michael Bisping is. You know, and you know he's the former champion. Uh, and, and just one of the greatest in our sport. I feel a lot of people follow him. He has a big following. So this is a this is a bigger fight, higher ranking as well. So it's a bigger fight for my career. And when you win the fight. Does this prove you're a middleweight? I mean, I know you're always talking with the idea of going back to welterweight, but I mean, you beat a guy that was the champ. Uh, you're going to be <laughs> yeah. up there in those discussions, right? Yeah, i got to be up there in those uh, discussions, whether I fight for the middleweight title or the welterweight title. Um, you know, I've, I've always had my eyes set on that welterweight title rematch with Tyron, or not title rematch, but that, that fight, the rematch with Tyron. Uh, I've always had my eyes set on that, you know, and uh, but, you know, I win this fight, I, I might have permanently cement myself as a middleweight, you know, whether I like it or not. Yeah, I mean, why put yourself through that? I mean, why, why keep that, that 170 goal in mind? When it seems like you're getting pretty comfortable at 185. I mean, like you said, getting better, getting strong. I mean, why even, why even think about that 170? <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, first I am a little, I'm going to admit it, I am a little bit um, salty on the Tyron Woodley fight. You know what I mean? I, I am a little, little hurt still. After all these years, you know, I want that rematch. I know I can beat him, you know, and I know that I can make the weight. You know, I was immature, I was young and stupid, you know, and I feel I've grown from, from, from all those experiences. You know, there's been a lot of trial and error in my career. Uh, I mean, when I, you know, when I fought him, I was 23 years old. Uh, so it's just, it's just a lot of trial and error in, in my career. And finally, we're putting all the, the experiences together. You know, this will be my 13th UFC fight and, and putting all those experiences, the good, the bad, and, and making, making something that hopefully works. Would you fight him if he came up to 185 or does it have to be for that title? It has to be for the title, I feel. Yeah, now that he's the champion, I want to take it from him. But let me say that I respect Tyron, you know, as a person, as a fighter, I respect him, you know, just, it just doesn't sit here well. Not personal, just professional. Yes. Nice. Alright, well, maybe that's on the future. If it's not, and 185 is, where do you think this does put you? Because it's just such an interesting time, right? You got George St. Pierre holding the belt. I, I don't, nothing against George, I don't know if he wants any piece of Robert Whitaker. You know, there's, there's right. other people out there. What, how are you seeing the whole title situation play out? It's interesting because you don't know what George is going to do. You know, I don't know if he's going to fight because he's going to go back down and fight Tyron. I don't know if he's going to defend the belt uh, and unify the belt with Robert. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, he said it himself. The, 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 the MMA game is such an unpredictable game. Anything can happen. You know, any fighter can fall through just like we've seen this week, these past couple weeks. You know, so anything can happen. Uh, so we'll just have to wait until after the fight, see what options are planned out. All right, well, first things first, obviously you got to win this fight. Yeah. You think about the, the historic nature of this, I mean, it's the first UFC event, mainland China, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a big deal, right? It's a pretty big deal, man. I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited because it gives me that same kind of feel when, when I co-headlined the Mexico card. You know, it was a historical card, first fight in Mexico City. Um, 
and you know, I mean, a few years, a few years, you, you fast forward a few years later, and all these Mexican stars are popping up, you know, and, and Mexico is one of the biggest uh, draw, um, markets, I think, for, for the UFC. So I feel now we're doing the same thing here in China, which is an even bigger market uh, with a lot more, with a lot more money and a lot more popu population. So it, this is going to be huge for, for the UFC. It's going to be huge for me for my career. Very cool. Well, you got to get the win Saturday. Yep. How do you get it done? I mean, we know what Michael Bisping does. One of the all-time greats. He's been doing it forever. Um, I mean, where do you see your advantages? How do you think you get this done? Um, you know what? I, I just feel I'm a little bit better than Mike uh, anywhere the fight goes. You know, I mean, he, he, I mean, he's got great boxing, but I feel my boxing is going to be a little bit better and a little bit sharper. He, he, he's got good wrestling, but, you know, I'm a wrestler. I wrestled for a long time with brown belt jiu-jitsu, so I feel I have the advantage on the ground as well. He will have a little bit of a size and strength advantage, you know, as, as so has everybody else in, in, in the middleweight division against me, you know. So, you know, you, you just got to... Find the right strategy, I think. So Kelvin Gastelum relaxed, brimming with confidence, as he probably should be. Uh, man, <sighs> picking this fight. I, I, it, it, once you see my pick, you'll, you'll see it. In my, I, I just straight up admit it, and I think it's honestly got the truth. My heart, I want Michael Bisping to win this fight, man. I really do. I, coming to the end of his career, um, doing what he's done, you know, be, being the way he is, I'm pulling for him, man. I'm pulling for him, but I feel like Kelvin Gaston is kind of that younger, badder dude, you know? And not that Kelvin's not beatable, but I just don't know if this is the right situation, so... Uh, I'm torn on it, but I feel like the head, the right pick in the head is Kelvin Gastelum, but um, the the pick in the heart is probably Michael Bisping. So, all right, let's give some other things to watch out for. Uh, and there's eight Chinese fighters on the card, so something really cool to watch out for there. Um, a lot of them are, you know, um, kind of untested, so to speak. I mean, this is this is their moment. Um, a lot of them are, are in the, the developmental program. Um, the UFC kind of – it's it's weird, man. They kind of keep the developmental program under wraps. Like the UFC picks athletes, right, and they send them to Greg Jackson. They send them to, uh, you know, different teams or whatever. Um, and they don't really talk about it much. And I kind of wish they would publicize that more. Like, I mean, these are the type of investments they're making in the future. Like they are literally paying for these athletes to go train – and to learn, they're paying for housing, they're paying for training, they're paying for all these things, and they don't like to talk about it. And I guess they don't like to publicize it because, you know, just because you're selected for the developmental program doesn't mean you're guaranteed a USC contract. And I'm assuming that's why they don't necessarily want to talk about it because, you know, they, they don't necessarily want to associate themselves with you if you don't pan out. But, I mean, these are the things sometimes I think people forget. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand the USC is ripe for criticism, man. I, I, I get it. I understand why people hate some of the things they do but but they do things like this to kind of fly under the radar sometimes that that don't get noticed i mean this is the type of investment you know the the that doesn't necessarily get noticed and I, and i kind of wish it did a little bit more so uh, a number of these athletes were part of um the the, the chinese development program and we'll, and we'll see what 
comes out of it. Uh, some some early fights in the card with, with, with a couple of uh, you know kind of nondescript fighters. I will say this: I'm I'm excited in uh, Gina Mazzani and uh, Wu Yanan. Uh, Wu Yanan will end up becoming the first Chinese woman to step into the octagon. Gina Mazzani, of course, uh, she trains at Extreme Couture, where I where, where I bring my son, so uh, I, I see her in there all the time. Um, she was fun to talk to this week. Um, fought Sarah McMahon in her debut tough assignment in your first out going against Wu Yanan who you know it's most people won't know much about but uh we watched her open workout a little bit she was featured there and again this will be a little bit of history she'll be the first Chinese woman to step in the case so some some intriguing that one one the, the first fight uh, look you know looking from the bottom of the card that really stands out to me Shamil Abdurakimov versus Chase Sherman a little surprised it's so far down the card to be honest with you Shamil Abdurakimov of course coming off a loss but you know coming off a main event fight against Derek Lewis meanwhile Chase Sherman on a two fight winning streak and of course he's got uh, you know the, the the amazing social media following that he does uh, I, I like Chase Sherman a lot it's kind of funny to think about. And I mentioned it in our in our interview. If you want to check that, out, it's on uh, it's on YouTube. I've, we've got all those up there. But you know, how the hell did you take a fight uh, in a country with no Twitter? <laughs> how did you do that? Fortunately, uh, they did get him set up with a little VPN. So I think he's been tweeting a little bit since. But he originally thought he wasn't going to be able to tweet. But uh, listen, I, I I like this fight. Chase Sherman uh, is a fun fighter to watch, and of course, a fun fighter on social media. Shamil Durakimov, uh, Chase Sherman was not a fan of, man. He had some harsh words for him. When I talked to him, you can watch that whole interview on uh, on the MMA Junkie YouTube section. But uh, he said, listen, I, I mean, this, I'm, nah, this, I'm not excited to fight this guy. I don't like the way he fights. So uh, interested in watching that. Barak Kandari, uh, I believe is how you say that. I haven't uh, talked to him yet, but um, this is a big moment. Now, this is one of those things that might not mean a lot to you necessarily uh just as a fighter but it's something to really watch this is the first indian born fighter in the ufc now you think uh, about the the push that arjan bueller got arjan bueller uh is a canadian but uh is of indian descent and i can tell you right now our clicks for his fight for his interview for everything skewed off the charts right i mean i i can't give you exact numbers obviously but as a website operator i can tell you they skewed off the charts this is that thing that happens when you know countries nations cultures get behind an athlete and rakandari has the ability to do this i mean the first truly indian born i mean think about it if, if you go back the past couple of years the ufc was talking about doing a, an ultimate fighter india i mean they were truly invested in the market uh, again, it's it's like China. You know, it's one of those things where the the the, the numbers are just mind-boggling. The amount of people that are there, the size of the audience is 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 incredible. Um, you know, whether Barat is the real deal or not remains to be seen. He was a late addition. Uh, I, I saw him walking around the whole. I mean, I can say he looks the part. He looks the part. He's he's you know. He's got a little swagger walking around. He's, he's he looks he looks the part, but um, we'll see we'll see what happens in the cage. But this is somebody you want to keep your eye on. You're gonna see a push from this guy. I'm telling you right now. If he wins, hell, maybe even if he loses, you're gonna see a push for this guy. Um, so maybe you can be on the ground floor and kind of decide whether you believe the the uh, the push is legit or not. Kylan Curran versus uh, Jan Giannan. 
Uh, Kylan Curran uh, did an interview with her earlier this week as well. Thought she was awesome, man. She great a great interview. She's I mean she has had a hard time in the UFC, but she's got such a positive attitude, and she's talked about um, kind of what it's been like to be along this little roller coaster ride and wanting the best and not necessarily being there. Now she's married. She got married after her last fight. Uh, Alexander Abu, she lost this summer. She lost the first two rounds. She won the third. She was finishing strong, but it was too little, too late. Uh, Abu had gas at that point, but uh, Kylan Curran definitely in a must-win situation here. But I'll tell you what, on the prelims, Zabit Magomed Sherboff versus Shaman Morais. Holy shit. This fight could be phenomenal. This is the fight that I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, I was talking to a Dan Hardy earlier tonight. And, and uh, you know, he can't get predictions, obviously, because he's going to be on the call. But uh, we, we were just having a, a quick little chat. And I was asking him, hey, what are you looking forward to, man? What's, what's the one you're looking forward to the most? And he said straight up, Zabit Magomedsherbov versus Shaman Marias. Real deal. And I agree. I totally agree. Uh, if you didn't see Zabit's UFC debut, go check that out, man. You got time. Go check it out. Shaman Marias, World Series of Fighting Fighter, uh, Black House Fighter. I'm I'm stoked for this one. I, I circle that one. Circle that one. I don't see any way this fight sucks. Uh looking to the main card, Alex Garcia versus Muslim Salikov. Now, uh Muslim Salikov was at the uh open workouts today. He's actually a Sanda fighter, which a Sanda uh is uh a, kind of a Chinese martial art that's like a combination of, of, of kickboxing, a little bit of wrestling as well. It's a hell of a base. His nickname is the King of Kung Fu. Uh, in fact, talking to Dan Hardy again, give a little uh, deference to them. Uh, he was selling. I wish I could quote the exact quotes, but uh, I, th- I think he said Muslim had like. Uh, all right, now I'm gonna be ridiculous. Hundred and seventy kickboxing fights. I want to say it was some of that, but I remember it was like seventy-five knockouts. He has like seventy-five verified knockouts in kickboxing. That's ridiculous. Going against Alex Garcia. Uh, Alex Garcia, tough guy. The real deal, uh, you know, he looks like it physically fits the part and, and he definitely has the skills, but just sometimes doesn't pull the trigger and doesn't always uh, deliver. So um, a, a big fight here. Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy versus Wang Guan. This is a, this is a good fight here too. Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy. Man, he looked good this summer. And I uh, always love talking to him. He has a, a, a great video on YouTube as well if you want to go check that out. We definitely didn't talk about just fights the whole time because he is not the type of person that likes to just talk fights. He likes to talk about everything else. But uh, it was fun. We I enjoyed it, man. Uh, we actually He asked me if we could do the interview earlier in schedule because he, he was like, dude, I just want to go sightseeing, man. He's like, can we get this interview done so I can go out and check out China? Uh, and it was cool, man. I really enjoyed it. But Wang Guan, the folks at American Top Team, believe this guy is the real deal. Um, they, they say, listen, he's huge for the weight class. Um, he's going to be a problem. So uh, somebody to watch out for there. The co-made event, Li Jingling, we missed him earlier, versus Zach Otto. This is going to be a bang em up grinding, you know, in-the-face type of fight. I, I like this fight. Li Jingling, uh, if you're a follower of the road show, if you're a follower of Everybody Junkie, you know, uh, I've been high on this guy for a while. And and not that I'm saying that he's a future world champion, but I think he's somebody that has, you know, a uh, personality. He has a fighting style that you want to watch. 
And, of course, again, when you have a nation behind you, especially a nation the size of China, it's amazing, you know. And, and everything that I've been told by the local media here, he is a damn superstar here. And I knew it, man. The guy has that X factor. He's got it. I, he does, I mean, he does speak some English. He won't speak it on camera. He speaks some English. I'm telling you, off camera, he'll say a little something, something. Uh, but he doesn't like to speak it on camera. And I get that, man. I, I speak a little bit of Spanish, but... If somebody was recording me and pretending like out they were going to quote me, like, there's no way in hell because I'd sound stupid. So I get it, man. But he does speak a little bit of English, but the, the dude has got an amazing attitude. Uh, I like his personality. I like his fighting style. Uh, and I think he's somebody you need to pay attention to. Zach Otto is not going to uh, roll over for him. That's for damn sure. But Li Jingling fighting in China in the first Chinese event? Come on, man. He's going to be fired up. So I think this is going to be an all-out brawl. And then, of course, Michael Bisping versus Kelvin Gastelum. <sighs> Tough main event to pick. Tough main event to pick. I think the head, the right spot is Kelvin Gastelum, but I'm not going to lie. My heart's for Michael Bisping. And that's not saying that I don't love Kelvin Gastelum. I do. Man, I do. I, I, the, the, the progress this guy has made for his UFC career, I would love nothing more than for him to pick up a big win here. But... You know, knowing that Michael Bisping's on the way out, knowing that we're just about done with our time with the count, man. I don't know. I guess I wanted to go out on a high note. So, anyway, all right, listen. Uh, I, I, come on. You got to be tired of hearing me ramble by now. Luckily, next week, my man Cole Coffee and I will be back together. We'll be covering the tough finale. UFC 218 will be in Detroit. That's going to be a sick card as well. I kind of wish we were going there, but we're not. We live in Las Vegas, so we're going to cover the tough finale. Uh, hey, there'll be a new world champion crown there. You know, maybe there'll be a world champion crown at 218. Maybe. Or maybe it'll just be a title defense. But in Vegas, you know there's going to be a new world champion. My man Cole Coffee and I will be there. We will be back together. We may be sipping on a couple of Ballast Point beverages if everything works out the way it's supposed to. So, uh looking forward to that anyway uh yeah if i failed you for not doing an and a half i apologize i'm planning on doing one this week but you know we'll see how the car goes and it does mean more than likely you'll have to listen to me ramble because there ain't no other traveling media out of here but we'll see we'll see what's going on maybe i can pull somebody aside if not we'll figure it all out but what's more important is i need to tell you Thanks for listening.